Good morning. We wanted to take this opportunity to welcome you to the Hope Collective online. Matter of fact, our last live stream of 2020 and what a year this has been. And just wanted to take some time as we go into the new year to share in fullness, in detail, what God um, has put on our heart, the vision he's laid before us. We've said a lot, God's doing some really big things and we're excited about what's coming and it's here. We want you to hear what we believe, the direction we believe God is taking us, um, that we're incredibly excited about. If you call this church home, the Hope Collective home, then we're family. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity for us to come around as a family and talk about, let you hear our excitement of what we believe God has been doing and is doing um, in our hearts as a church and to give you um, some rhythm, some handles to grab a hold of as people who call this church home to say, man, I want to be part of that. That sounds very clear. That's incredibly exciting. As we go into 2021 to being very, um, excited about where we're headed because we're excited about where we're headed even though it's been difficult we have said that this cultural moment this season was not an interruption it is a reformation we do actually believe god is reforming his church um, reshaping us and this is what it's going to look like for us moving forward and we're excited to share and i brought the whole team together to be able to do that and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without the presence of god and the Holy Spirit. And we just want you to know as a church, we're committed to um, never moving forward without God being with us. And so we want to take some time this morning as we gather you with us um, online and here in this space to worship and to invite God's presence into this place because we know he's here, Mm -hmm. but we want him to fill us and lead us. Yeah. Yeah. And so this morning, uh, whether you're sitting in the room with us today or whether you're you're in your living room at home, the way that we're going to do this time of worship is I'm going to read a passage for us and then just ask a simple question, just kind of an introspective question that helps us to connect with this moment and realize that God's with us right here. And we didn't really touch base on what passage I was about to read right now, but but this is Moses and the Lord talking together as the Lord's preparing to bring them into the promised land, into the new thing. And uh, it says, And the Lord said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest by bringing you and the people into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with me, do not lead us up from here. And And so the question that I'd love for us to reflect on as we just sit in God's presence and welcome him here is, what is the one specific area of your life, might be a, a relationship, a situation at work, something going on at home, where you have yet to invite the presence of God. And that's for you sitting at home on the other side of the camera as well. What's the one specific place in your life? It could be a relationship, a conversation you need to have, something going on in your family, in your community, where you have yet to invite the presence of God. And then we'll take a moment to sing together. So just reflect on that for a few moments. coming forth. Sing, it's the power of your presence. It's the power of your presence that changes us. Your glory all around us. And we're undone. You 
That's our prayer today. Right here in this room amongst this group of people or wherever someone's chosen to press play on this video today, God, we welcome you and we say, have your way in us. Do a new thing within our hearts, God. Expand our understanding of your presence and what it means to walk this life with you. God, the places that you are identifying as we process that question before we sing, God, where we've yet to invite your presence. God, would you give us the courage and the understanding as to how to invite you in? 
Today, God, wherever we are, we say fall afresh on us and have your way. Amen. As, as we were just sitting there and um, processing God's presence, there's a lot of promises that we're given. Um, not only is he with us, um, but Jesus said, it was for freedom that I set you free. And, and processing what God has been doing over the last three years in this church, I want to take us back. And we have said, and you've heard us say, and, and we've had a lot of conversations around this, that the central offering of our church going forward will not be the Sunday morning. Yeah. It's not less than the Sunday morning. We love to gather and we're gonna talk about the gathering. It's not less than that. But the central offering will be biblical community. And it kind of came from this conversation of every day over one day. Mm -hmm. Like we live in a world where religion is one day over every day. And if I go on Sunday, then I've gotten what I need to get. And what we kind of discovered is for most Christians, Jesus was a value-add proposition to their American dream. If you guys remember three years ago, um, maybe just over three years ago, we ended a capital campaign called Free to Give. Free to Give meaning we wanted to get out of debt as a church so that we could give our time, our talent, and our treasure to the kingdom of God because God was awakening our hearts. And we walked through that, paid off our debt. I remember burning that. And I remember sitting there um, as staff and elders going, now what? God, what do you want to do? And really feeling like we needed to kind of go on a journey to seek the Holy Spirit and, and kind of entered a process called God Dreams where we brought a bunch of people from the church together and we said, man, if two things jump out about where we need to go as a church, what are they? And this group of people came together and these two things were the pathways, if you will. The first one was spiritual formation, that how we grow is important and we need to champion the growth of people's hearts, people's faith, which the outcome is freedom yeah. and institutional renovation. We're gonna, we, we may have to change the way we do things. What God is here probably won't be the thing that gets us there, especially when God is doing a new thing. And in the midst of that, I remember that process asked us to, to, to present a kingdom concept. Like when you think about the thing that you, that God is placing on your heart, we came up with two words. We felt the Holy Spirit gave us the two words, radical redirection. That God, Jesus does not want to be a value-add proposition to our American dream. He wants to be a radical redirection of our heart. That's good. And I, I remember processing that going, yeah, absolutely. Like death to the American dream. It hasn't, it hasn't brought what it promised. Mm -hmm. And people are living in the American dream and the pressure and the stress. Alex, I remember when you said um, that even with our kids, mm -hmm. that it's, it, it's um, go to school, get good grades so you can go to a good college, so you can get a good job, so you can make a lot of money, so you can be happy. And it's the, the formula, way, right? it's the formula, yeah. yeah. And, and not that those things are bad, but that weight, one counselor that we know said that he sees 10 kids a week dealing with the pressure of that formula. Yeah. And it's, it's what the world is putting in. And so we said, no, we believe that Jesus wants to radically redirect our hearts, that we don't want him to be just an add-on, just a drawer in the dresser, if you will. We want him to have full control. And so we, we begin to believe that God could do that and, and transform that. And one of the results of that was to say that our mission needs to be God's mission, not our mission. Not to ask God to bless our mission, but to be a part of God's mission, what he's doing. And, and so we said, okay, what's God's mission? And it was in that moment that it was really clear. God's mission is to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. That he's making all things new. And he's invited us to join him on his mission. That was radical for us to lay down what we want to say, God, we want to be part of what, and not do we want to just be part of it, but he's invited us into it. And then to begin to process, what does it look like when Jesus shows up and begin to radically re redirect your heart, what values come out? And I remember just spending a lot of time around the values, not the values that we go put on, but the values that come because Jesus is changing our hearts. And so we said, we live like when that happens, Jesus is our hope, people are our passion, worship is our response, community is our design, faith is our foundation, generosity our norm, serving our privilege, and scripture is our guide. Thank you. <laughs> They're on the wall. <laughs> yeah, they are over there on the wall. And this, this idea that 
God wants to radically redirect our hearts, and when that happens, we will see the desire for our time, talent, treasure to be redirected to Him and His kingdom. And so as a church, we went on this journey of what what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to live in the kingdom? And when that's true, what do you do? You fight giants, free people, free people. And we began to just kind of look around and realize that you know someone's heart's radically redirected when they start having meaningful conversations about Jesus. If what's inside comes out and that's true, then Jesus will be coming out. And we just found that that wasn't true for a lot of us. It was still the 20% of the people doing 80% of the, of the effort. And what was it? What's, what was going on in God's people that needed to be awoken? And what we realized is when you bank your Christianity on one service on one Sunday, where you think that's where growth happens, you miss everything that God might be doing. We, I looked around one Sunday in December of this last year and realized that, man, we have great worship. Alex, you guys, your hearts for worship are incredible. Um, we, have, we have decent preaching, right? <laughs> the, the people of this church are amazing people. And yet I'm looking and I'm seeing people who have been in the church for a long time, living in fear, living under the lies, living um, in addiction, living with brokenness, living with that the freedom we've been promised hasn't been happening. What needs to happen? And we begin to talk about biblical community. We begin to say, what would it what would it look like if we actually began to live every day over one day? And we started talking about this. The central offering doesn't need to be the Sunday morning. That's not necessarily where people grow. It's where we glorify. We come together. But people, we group to grow. And um, as, we, as we began to do that, um, I, I, I want the church to understand you as a church have been on this journey with us. Yeah. And what we're seeing in the church and, and how God is moving um, has been really part of that. And, and so we really felt this year as we were kind of um, processing, how do we see God continue to move? We realized we have to give the church back to the people. We have to crush the curve of hierarchical leadership and we have to give, we, we have to see the people take up their passion and purpose and go after God to fight giants. But broken people break people free people free people we're not free and we can't when you peel away all of the hurt and the bondage and the trauma and the lies we begin to see the purpose and passion and the reason it's coming out is because we're not free and so to see god do what we believe we wanted god to do we said at that time that we are a collective of people that need to bring hope to the world our name is catching up to who we already are and setting the stage for who we're becoming we're, we're not saying we're this and then we're going to try to be this. God, is, God wants to use this church to bring hope. And I remember hope being a huge part of what we believe God wanted to do. And we, we landed on that definition of hope, a confident expectation. What would happen if people who have hope started acting like they have hope? Yeah. And just believe that at the core of that is this biblical community. So I have to ask you, because I, I love how you've been processing this. What is biblical community? Because we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. And we've unpacked it, and, and I could do that, but I just kind of want you to share what is biblical community. Yeah, and I think if you would have asked me that question like five years ago, I would have been like, well, it, it's a small group, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, a, that's a biblical community. And I think if you've, if you've spent time in church, that's kind of what you default to is yeah. you hear the words biblical community and you picture a group of people sitting in a living room with like bad cheese and crackers and you're like reading the Bible for an hour and then you pray, and then you leave, and then you see each other next week. And that's that's not biblical community. That's not even a great small group, honestly. Like, that's, biblical community is it's something, it's not a place that you go to. It's not something that you do because it's on your calendar. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that you bring to your relationships. It's yeah. a tone that you set. It's a way that you approach your interactions with people. And so when it comes to biblical community, it's this level of openness. And it's how much am I willing to let you know me for who I really am? Hmm. And how much am I willing to let you, let me know who you really are? Mm -hmm. And how much am I willing, yeah, it's a two way street, it's a mutual thing. And how much am I willing to trust people enough to be actually transparent with them? How much am I willing to share what God is saying and doing in my life and then inviting people to hold me accountable to that? And how much am I willing to commit 
to following the lead of the Holy Spirit with other people. The degree to which I do those things in a relationship, that's the degree of biblical community that I'm experiencing. And like, so when we have the small group conversation, small group, to say that small groups are biblical community is like saying airplanes are adventures. Like airplanes are vehicles. <laughs> they can take you on an adventure. Right. They can be part of an adventure, hmm. but so wow. can other vehicles. Like you can have an adventure on a train or with a bicycle or like right. there are other places where you can experience an adventure. And actually adventure has a lot to do with what you bring to your experiences. Like kids are great at this. Yeah. Like anything is an adventure if you come into it with the right attitude. Like a trip to Walmart is an adventure right now with yeah. my kids. Like what's going on? So, it's all we got. Yeah, it's all we got, right? Everything's an adventure. It has to be. So small groups are vehicles. They are places that we can experience biblical community. They create safe places where we can practice living out biblical community, but they are not biblical community. Biblical community is how I choose to show up mm. in relationships mm -hmm. and how much I'm willing to know and be known and to build trust and to be transparent, to be accountable and to follow the Holy Spirit's lead mm -hmm. with somebody. Yeah. So, so, good. so to, to go like past that a little bit, I mean, bad cheese and crackers aside, right. that is a tragedy. <laughs> what, why is that important? Like why is biblical community yeah. such an important part of where we're hoping the Hope Collective We'll hey, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that it's because that's, that's where we're actually going to grow. Mm -hmm. Biblical community and having those kind of relationships is where God does his best work. And when I look back on my life, and this may be true for you guys too, like you look back on your life and you see the things that God has used to grow you and make you more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of great books. I've listened to a lot of great sermons and a lot of great yeah. podcasts. I've had some really incredible experiences in worship and in solitude, but more than anything else, what has grown me and challenged me to actually live and love like Jesus has been those biblical community relationships. And it's in those spaces that I feel like I'm challenged to put somebody's good before my own, where I'm challenged to say things that may be difficult or uncomfortable where I'm challenged to hear things that may be difficult and uncomfortable and like find a way forward with people together. And it's in those moments where God's presence is with his people and shaping us to be more like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, it's this inherent, it's inherent within us to want to be in community, even though all of our red flags come up. When you say, I wanna be known, or I'm gonna be known, it's like we have to trust this space. We've been so wounded and yeah. by the church, by, by people outside, by our own families, whatever. And so, yeah. and yet there is still this hope that I want, I want to believe that there is more, and, and there, there's more for me, and that there is someone for me. There, it's like in, intuitively, inheritedly in this, because I think biblical community is a call back to the garden. I, I think it's this place where, where shalom was in right standing. There was this shalom, perfect, perfect peace, right? And then shalom, somewhere in our story for all of us, shalom shatters. There is peace that shatters, correct? And, and then we are on this like mission intuitively, whether we know God or not, because right. we are the yeah. bearers of God. We are in the image of God. Um, but we, we, are, we are trying to get back to the garden. We're trying to get back to Shalom. It's the one place where God said, like, this is what you were intended for. It's good. Yeah, this is what is good. And it's not good when you're alone. This is when it is good, is when we're in community. And so I think when we say, why biblical community? Because it's in your body. Like you, you have wanted this, you have craved this, you have longed for this, you have tried to find it in all these different places. And, and it is God calling us back to the very kingdom that we bear, not a kingdom of empire and control, and you'll do what I say, and there's hierarchy. But I think the kingdom of God is much less about a dictatorship and an empire as it is about a garden where we tend and are tended to, and our hearts are tended and mended and cared for. This garden like Eden is biblical community. And you think, oh, Carrie, you're being euphoric about all of this. And I go, oh, no, no. May your kingdom come. Yeah. <laughs> your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. The garden is within us, but it is only when we are in biblical community that we can begin to experience shalom restored. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I and mean, that, that sounds like what we were created for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and as beautiful and important as it is, you know, we believe that there's more people that call the Hope Collective home mm -hmm. that aren't experiencing that than those that are. Right. That's yeah. true. And Alex, what do you, I mean, what do you think are some of the barriers to, to people engaging in biblical community the way yeah. we've defined it? Well, I think, I'll speak for myself, I know the biggest obstacle for me is, is me. <laughs> like, is if you think about biblical community and if it's all about how you show up in a space, if it's all about allowing yourself to be known and trusting people, like if I don't know myself, then there's no way that I can let you know who I am because I don't even know who I am. <laughs> and if I'm still living from my brokenness, like there's no way that I can trust you with what's going on because I, I, I won't trust you because I'm hurt. I'm trying to protect myself. And if I'm not listening to God, there's no way that I can share what God is doing in my life because I'm not listening and I can't tell you what he's telling me to follow through on and invite you to help me in that. Like the biggest obstacle, I, I could say that it's time, I could say that I don't have the right opportunity or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's, it's me. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to show up in a space as who I really am, as who God designed me to be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of people too that have maybe tried mm -hmm. to do that and have done, you know, given it their best effort to be there. And it's just, it's not gone well. Mm -hmm. And they've had a really negative experience and they haven't been tended too well. Right. And they've put themselves out there and either been rejected or misunderstood and they've been burned. Yeah. And like everything that we talk about of, you know, trying to engage and get back to Shalom, it's hard enough mm -hmm. to just do it when, you know, you haven't had a bad experience. And then when you have, you're even less inclined to say, yeah, I want to be part of that. But that's mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about biblical community is that as much as relationships can be a place of harm, they can be that place of healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when we say yes and we step into that, and when we allow ourselves to be known and, and to know others, that's a space where the Holy Spirit begins to do his healing work. And when we, we're transparent with other people and we know that those people aren't gonna try to fix us, they're not gonna like put a Bible Band-Aid on it, but they're gonna create mm -hmm. that space yeah. for it's us cool. to be able to share who we really are and allow the Holy Spirit to work that's the healing work that can happen inside each and every one of us. And that DNA, the idea of being able to have the space to know and be known and trust other people with ourselves and be transparent, be accountable and follow the Holy Spirit's lead together. Like that's, that's what we want to infuse into everything that we do at the Hope Collective. So whether yes. that's our big gatherings, whether that's getting together in groups, whether that's going to fight giants with the service team, whether that's a conversation in the lobby or a phone call, like to have these things at play, that's biblical community. Mm -hmm. And that's where we grow, that's where we change, and that's what we wanna be known for. That's what we wanna offer people at the Hope Collective. It seems like what's really brilliant too is that you're giving it a definition that then everyone's on the same playing field. So mm -hmm. like you think of when you've gone in and you've gotten burned or you've gotten, but if you take 30 seconds of courage to step back into it knowing that you all have the same definition yeah. mm -hmm. how much more mm -hmm. you can grow and have grace with each other and it doesn't have to look perfect yeah. it just has to be real yeah. and it, it, to me honest. that seems really yeah. really honest and brilliant oh, yeah. yeah it's good it's um it's not something that just we want to do as believers that yeah. believers need People who don't know Jesus yeah. need the same thing. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And, and what would it be like to be part of a church that is committed to helping us learn? Because it, it's learned. Yeah. To first of all, show up. And second of all, hold space so that others can show up safely. Yes. Yeah. And, and be known. Does anybody, I'm going to put you all on the spot, and this is, this is crazy dangerous. But does anybody have a story where that was true for you? where somebody held a space and you were able to show up and experience being known, transparency, Holy Spirit leading, accountability, I mean, just. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I can name that. Um, so I, you know, I struggle, I've struggled my whole life with mental illness and will, I won't define it that way, but have had depression bouts my whole life. It's my, I come from a family line of mental illness and um, recently have had, just with quarantine and everything, just another wave of it coming. And it was almost this feeling like 
no, it's been gone for so long. Like, don't come back. You know, I was in remission and, um, and then it came back and what was so beautiful and I'll just speak I'm new here so I can speak to even just this community here and like literally learning it as we're going in this community, being able to go into the office where Donna and, and Aaron were sitting in there and without shame was able to be like, man, I am really struggling. And earlier that morning was actually sitting at a table with Josh and Robin and broke down and just started crying. And you like, I don't do that. <laughs> I am tough. You know, I can handle myself and I am actually the one that teaches all this. I should have all the things together. I literally run a thing called freedom Academy, you know, and um, I teach people how to not have this. And yet it was such a beautiful example as I was sitting there, both Robin and Josh had gone through my Academy mine that I taught them. And they did so well at holding space for my heart as I am having an absolute breakdown at their table. And they were so kind and they didn't try to fix me. And they didn't tell me it's all gonna be okay or send me a verse. They, to be honest with you, they didn't even pray with me. I know they prayed later because they texted me, but they didn't pray, they just listened. And, and Robin said, it's gonna make me emotional, but what do you need from me? And I just, not a lot of people ask that of me. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you need right now? What do you need? Everybody kind of wants to take, but what do you need, Carrie? And I just said, I need you to, I need you to say that you're still gonna be my friend mm -hmm. and that you're still gonna respect me even though I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> and, uh, and she just tears in her eyes and tears in Josh's eyes. And they just said, we actually see you no different than we saw you before. In fact, we love you more. Mm -hmm. And I left that day, that moment, and it was like a cloud that had been over my eyes for 21 days. It was gone. Mm -hmm. It was like gone. And I, I know that's not everyone's story all the time, and I'm still gonna go see my doctor, so don't worry. <laughs> but I, I had no shame. I was not embarrassed. I. I felt loved and seen, and their love and holding space healed my heart. That, that was biblical community. That was pastoring. That was shepherding. That, for me, was the garden. We can all learn to do that with each other yeah. in a way that brings freedom from our past, mm. our hurt, our trauma, our pain. And I think that's what God is calling us to. It, it, it's twofold. It's we gather to glorify. Like the, we're going to talk about this in a minute. That yeah. Sunday be the end of the week, not the beginning, yeah. where we yeah. need it to survive. Right. No, it's the end where we get to glorify because God has done so much in and through us that we group to grow. Yeah, there's probably some growing that happens on a Sunday morning. We don't want to deny that or take that away. But we real growth happens in, when we when we come together, discerning, healing, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so you'll be healed. Um, but even with outreach. I mean, I actually believe that whether it's gathering or group or going and fighting giants, we can experience proportionate levels of this yeah. biblical community. Yeah. That what everybody ultimately needs is this being known, this trust and transparency space, this accountability and Holy Spirit led. Like we do have to stop fixing each other because we can't fix each other. That's right. Only Jesus okay. fixes a heart. And so if we're not actually fixing each other by fixing each other, what are we doing to each other? I've been processing that a lot lately and just realizing that most of us have been fixed and rarely have we experienced having our heart tended to. I, I'll give you a story and then I want to kind of talk about this other piece where um, I had just uncovered something in my past and a story that had happened, an event relationally. And I want to talk about injustice and how that happens to our relationships. And it, it, was, it was traumatic. It was one of the most hurtful things I've ever experienced in my life. And God brought it back to my memory when we were in, uh, at a Freedom Academy. And I was sitting with um, a couple friends, Jason and a couple pastor friends, and I shared this. Mm -hmm. And I remember just breaking down and weeping. Mm -hmm. And all I heard was the guy across from me crying. Mm -hmm. And my friend reached over and put his hand on my knee. Mm -hmm. And they just sat there and just held that. And I just needed to grieve because we don't heal until we grieve. That's right. 
Um, and so this is really, really big. But even, even with outreach, um, in the midst of this last three years, I was on a car ride and I remember calling a bunch of you when this happened. And I feel like God just dropped this word because we were talking about hope and we had defined hope, um, confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. And boy, has that been a blessing to me this year, that definition. But I felt like God just dropped and I had never heard these two words together, hope centers in my mind hope centers. And then it just started downloading. I don't know if you ever had those moments with God where he just starts pouring it in. Like this needs it. When the church is healthy, it will be more consumed with what it can do for others than what it can do for itself when it's healthy. And so if we'll get free, um, free people, free people, because here's the deal. And Micah, you have taught us a lot about this. And I really appreciate your heart for justice, that injustice at its core, is spiritual because it's a sin issue. But its nature is relationship. We're broken in relationship and therefore healing has to happen in relationship. And so I, I begin to um, just have all of these, a place where someone can come who's in need, that whatever their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational need is, we meet that need because the church, not 20% doing 80% of the work, but the church is having their hearts radically redirected. Jesus isn't a value-add proposition to the American dream. We've laid it down. We're opening our heart to God and saying, I want to want you fully. Our, our um, time, talent, and treasure is being radically redirected to the kingdom because we're kingdom citizens, not earthly citizens. And we're saying, God, take everything that we have, everything you've gifted and blessed us with, and we're going to come with those resources to help meet those needs, knowing that the deepest need is biblical community. And I remember downloading all of these things. Somebody comes and their need is counseling. And we have, a, we have a group of counselors that are from within the church that are going to use their gifts. It's financial. We have a gift of financial people. It's educational. We have a It's learning the English language. It's needing food. Um, the food pantry has been just a great example of what this means to bring someone in and their need is food, but to begin to care for that individual. We've seen people get saved. And we've said that hope impacts three people. Those who have it have to start acting like it. Those who need it never apologize for it. And those who don't know they need it can come together with us. Donna, you have stories about how this has actually been true, about how those three communities have come together to bring hope and people's hearts have been changed. Yeah, well, how much time do we have? <laughs> but, I mean, well, this this comes out of you so naturally. Yeah. Like when we when we, you just bleed Jesus and evangelism and reaching people more than anybody I've ever met. Well, and what is so cool is um, you know in the middle of a pandemic, mm -hmm. some of our outreach things have have ceased. A lot of our mission trips, a lot of things like that. But um, the food pantry that was here serving has like blossomed and opened up in ways that um, a person couldn't do. Mm. It had to be a movement of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been fun watching that yeah. because it's not a lot of work <laughs> when God's doing it. <laughs> and, um, and when you see um, people come in and, you know, I think about the people um, that have hope acting like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in my like personal journey, um, you know, serving has always been, you know, a word, almost like work, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll go and serve. Like, I'll be tired of it. But, you know, God created us to serve. He yeah. created mm -hmm. us to work. Going back to the garden. Yeah. Um, there was work before there was sin. That's right. Yeah. He had a yeah. job for us to do. Mm -hmm. He had made us. Um, I think sometimes there's a, an old movie that you young folks won't know, but Chariots of Fire. Where Eric Little says, I've been made for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And, and I think what I have found um, right now stepping um, in with Sue Rack that does an amazing job. Um, you know, starts every single time if we're serving and collecting food or um, when we're getting ready to give it out, um, asking God to bless it mm -hmm. and that we know why we're here, that Jesus be known mm -hmm. and that these people know that God loves them. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just start every day, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like it's a three-day thing, but with that, like that's been her vision. But what I've seen is people who have stepped into it, um, 
either as an admin or going and gathering groceries to bring back here to give out to those that need it, or especially through some of our intakes. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen is they're in that rhythm, and they may have been serving for the first time because mm -hmm. we needed the extra help as numbers grew up. But I've seen them, um, and I want to sing this song, do, 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 do. but I've seen them experience the pleasure of God because God has equipped them and given them um, visions mm -hmm. and given them abilities that they can use. So I feel like that's the first part, those who have hope acting on it. Yep. Because, you know, our experiences from our past, what he's taught us along the way, has prepared us for a time like this. That's yeah. good. And so many people out there have, you know, the American dream added the hobbies and the this and the that and this, and they wanted to fill them up. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. I know in my own life, like, I've found that. Like, when I know I'm bringing him pleasure, I'm filled up. When I'm bringing glory to God, that's what we're all made for. Each one of us. Not, not just those up here to bring glory. Every single one of us is made in his image. And part of what we have inside is to bring glory to him. And to bring him pleasure. So to watch people come in new and feel a little shaky at first, but say, I have this talent, I'd like to serve God. And then watching them has been amazing. Um, another, uh, another like stories of someone coming in who, there was a gentleman um, that is new to the food pantry. He needed community service. I'm not sure why, a ticket or something. But, um, you know, at the end he did his three weeks, four weeks, and at the end he had me sign his paper. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sign your paper. Thanks for helping us. And he's like, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, can I come back? Hmm. Like, I don't need more hours, but there's something here that's drawing me. Mm, and, you know, and we're busy and we're hustling, but there was something here. It was a conversation with Jim DeMent in front. It was a conversation with some of the men that parked the cars. But something, and so there's that big biblical community where you can, like, say, this is where I'm at. But then there's this little biblical community. You know, and it goes through a conversation or someone saying, I'll get the door for you. And then opening up, hey, never met you before, you know. Um, so I've seen that. Yeah. Um, I've also seen um, there's folks that receive groceries that have come back, one gal in particular. And she said, how can I help? And she's bilingual. So I said, you know, I'd love for you to help with intakes because... Can you explain intake? Yes. When okay. So it, it, it used to be where you'd sign up for the food pantry and kind of get some basics. Your address, your um, how many children, how many people can we help feed. Mm -hmm. um, and now what we do is we sit down with each individual for about a 10 to a 15 minute conversation. And we get to know them. We get all the particulars that we need. But then we start asking questions like... Um, what brought you here? You know, did a friend refer you? Um, mm -hmm. How else can we help you? Is there other ways? Is there other ways you're struggling? A lot of the elderly right now are very isolated mm -hmm. um, in finding um, help in their home or someone bringing them something. And then there's one question that we always ask, and we say, what do people say you're good at? And it kind of takes them by surprise, and they're like, what? Yeah, what do they say you're good at? Hmm. And it kind of gets it off of what they need mm -hmm. and more of who they are. Mm -hmm. And we start seeing them. Mm -hmm. And I have seen like faces light up. Mm -hmm. My friends say I'm a really good mom, that I listen to my children. Or someone says I'm a really good cook. Or I'm always the first one there if they're sick. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it opens up a conversation. And what's happening is they're being seen. Maybe for the first time. First time. And, and even in a pandemic, you know, like you'll see tears. Mm -hmm. um, but this one guy I'm talking about that got groceries and then asked, well, she's a believer in Jesus and she follows him. And one of the first times I was showing her how to do an intake and she was there. And then she said, I'd like to try. So I was standing next to her as she was taking the intake. And then she got to the part about, you know, what do people say you're good at? And then this young woman in the car was starting to cry, you know, and I, I couldn't hear what her answer was because she was giving it in Spanish. Um, and then she said, what, you know, what brought you here? Um, and she shared her story 
like there was time, maybe she gave her 10 minutes to share her story, like what brought her there. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, my friend, the intake person, put her hand out, you know, onto the woman's shoulder. And I could, I could sense that something of the Lord was happening, but I couldn't understand it. <laughs> so, so, and that's one thing I'll correct. I need to understand. But I just started weeping and praying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she finished, and they, you know, they kind of nodded on their way, and, and the woman went through the line. And I said, did it go okay? Like there were tears. And she said, yeah, I just asked her to receive Jesus. <laughs> so in 10 minutes after seeing her, hearing her story, she was able to offer Jesus and share that she had Jesus. And that even though she was in a hopeless situation at that time, her husband was out of work, you know, she was struggling to pay bills, that she had the hope that Jesus was there. That's awesome. That he would maybe not make everything right, but journey with her. And had asked her, is he journeying with you? And she said, no. Would you like him to? Yes. Wow. And I think that's the whole point of what we're trying to say, is that biblical community is not about signing up for your small group. That biblical community is happening all around you, and that simple questions of people just being offered learning to be to known, just learning to ask questions, being curious about someone's story and what they're good at, opens them up to going, I'm finally getting to meet what my heart has always longed for, my maker, the, the very image bearer that I, that I hold, and that's happening at, in the Hope Center all around you. It, it, it's happening at coffee. It's happening it, it, with your barista. It's happening at your workplace. If we could just learn that it is not about you guys giving them groceries and fixing them. That's, 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 that's the least of the worries. That the, what you want to see and what you guys are doing and what we're hoping to do is to reach their heart. And so that's, that's, the, that's the Hope Center. So that's, and the Hope Center is the church. It's bringing hope to the whole person. We get infatuated at times with just specific pieces of a person's journey. We are a person, yes. body, mind, and spirit. Emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, em uh, relational, and all of that is important. And so we want to meet people into the deepest places of their needs, meet them right where they are, mm -hmm. and, and meet those needs. And, and it goes beyond food. I mean, we have a we have a greenhouse that's going to be going up where God has brought people that don't know Jesus together with people who know Jesus. And we're going to not just feed people, but teach them how to grow, how to grow. Um, there's a there's um, opportunity that we have now to have access to lawyers for people who are in deep need of of that kind of help. We have a team that's been built for financial help. What happens when God begins to radically redirect a heart and freedom comes? We begin to direct our time, talent, and treasure to the kingdom. And what would happen if the church isn't just the place we gather, but it's open 24/7? Because if despair doesn't sleep, then hope can't sleep. And we have a place, and there's there's always someone here to meet people where they are, and church is no longer about us, but it's about him and fighting the giants. There are giants of injustice that if if the enemy's gonna go against the people of God and, and the people in this world, then we need to be ready to go fight that with hope. And those giants are spiritual emptiness, it's oppression, it's poverty, it's disease, and it's illiteracy. And underneath those giants are so much in this area that God is calling us to. And I believe he's equipped us with every believer who calls this church home with the ability, resources, and time to bring hope to every one of those situations. I mean, it's, 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 we gather to glorify as the end of our week, we group to grow and we go fight giants because we're free and free people, free people. And I know you have so many stories, Alex, this whole um, reformation, if you will, I mean, your job is based on the gathering. That's right. Um, That's right. And what it means to not not base everything on the weekend yeah. has caused some shifts for you. Can you just yeah. kind of explain? Well, I was going to mention that. I mean, you talked about institutional renovation up top. It's been probably 45 minutes that we've been talking, and we just got to Sunday. Like, if we don't think that the church is changing, like, wow, <laughs> so, I mean, wow. like, because that, that's, that has been, that's just been the thing that I, I grew up in, I think, when church was Sunday, right? And I think yeah. that's, that's a lot of our neighbors, that's a lot of our friends. And, totally. and so the shifts that you're talking about, Dave, are, mm -hmm. 
A hundred percent. Like, like, like it's, it is not just something that the leaders need to take on of this thing. So it's not just like a programmatic shift. Mm -hmm. um, but what I love about the shifts that, that in this time is he has reframed the gathering and deepened our understanding of what that place can be and expanded kind of our expectations of what that space can look like. Mm -hmm. It's shown us that, that that burden and that responsibility falls squarely on the shoulders of every single member of this community. Mm -hmm. it, we do not go forward without everybody understanding that something has to change when we walk into yeah. this building on a Sunday. When all this stuff that you guys are talking about um, is happening in little pockets throughout the week, we have one chance to get everyone together and to rally. And so we need that group of people to have a better, healthier understanding of what that space is designed yeah. for. Yeah. And, uh, and so what Dave's been saying is that, that we will gather to glorify. And one of the, uh, one of the shifts that I've got three that I thought of um, that really, I think, sum this up. The first one, which I, I really kind of see as our why behind why we gather is that we, we need to shift away from being a people who come on Sunday for us and what we've prepared mm -hmm. to being a people who show up in this building for God's presence and for God's people. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's it, it, it's 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 getting out of a, wow. cons a, a consuming mindset where I'm going to show up and let this add value to my life. And I'm actually going to show up to this community because I care for the people that are there. I care about the mission that God is moving forward. And I believe that something can happen in his presence that will that's change right. and shape me. Wow. So yeah. so it's, it, it is shifting away from this mindset of, it, it, though, this is the way that I thought about it is, we do not, we would call it a loss if you got into your car after church and you were talking about how great the service was. It would be a loss if you were talking about how insightful the message was or how great the worship team sounds. It's a win if you walk away with your family and you're talking about what God's moving in your heart. If you, if you get into your car and you're talking about who you're praying with, who's praying over you. And so that has to be a shift. Yeah. Um, and that needs to happen, not just for, like I said, not just on the people who are running the thing, but, but on every person that steps yeah. in our doors is that we need to show for his presence and his people. Uh, the, second, the second thing is, uh, is, is the shift in postures. We need to show up to worship, not for worship. Yep. It's wow. one of the one of those is an action. The other one is is, is a thing, right? And we 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 are entrenched in consumerism as a Western culture. We are entrenched in this world of let's let's find all of the pieces of the puzzle that fit together to make my life as good as it can possibly be that we forget that there's actually something that's being asked of us when we show up into this space and that's to encourage and edify one another build one another up um, and, and treat worship as, as, as something that we get to enter into. Um, the shift here is, is not showing up on, on Sunday morning and asking, what am I going to get out of this? It's showing up on Sunday morning and asking, am I going to enter in? Am I going to join what God's doing? Mm -hmm. The heavenly worship wow. that's happening 24 seven because Jesus is on the throne. Yeah. Am I going to join that today? Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's the question. And then the third shift, uh, you've already hit on it and we've talked a bunch about it, is that we need to be a people of everyday worship and not just one day worship. Uh, that, that, I mean, man, you could point to that as, as like the, one of the STEM problems of, of what we see in, in, in our culture when it comes to um, kind of just giving faith in church a really bad rap, giving the communities that we're a part of a really bad rap is because we don't understand how to bring it into our daily lives. Mm -hmm. um, we felt this deeply in 2020 and back in March and April when all of a sudden we took Sunday morning away mm -hmm. and, and there was a loss of healthy worship. Yeah. There was a loss of And when you say connection. worship, we're going beyond singing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's yeah. bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the definition of worship has to expand. I mean, that, that, that's the one thing that I feel like God's been doing during this time is, I mean, he's not, he's not just giving us Sundays off or something like that. He, he's, he's, he's teaching us, he, he's teaching us how to help lead people and shepherd people into a, into living interaction with him in daily life where we're accepting the invitation to abide on a constant basis. And that that's what worship is, is, is remember that remembering in the middle of your work day, your school day, your family, that you are attached to a different vine than what you can create for yourself. And it's, and so it's, it's choosing to come back to that place of abiding. Um, and, and so one of the things that we did uh, just during this pandemic, and then we're going to continue into uh, after the first of the year is we launched a podcast uh, that's designed to subscribe to material that, that basically helps helps us learn how to live in, in God's presence daily. Um, we're looking forward to after the first of the year, expanding that a little bit and, and kind of introducing some different spiritual practices, um, some very formative practices. And, and the danger here is that in unhealth, uh, spiritual practices can become an end in and of themselves. Yep. And they become like the sum total of what your faith is, is how yep. much you pray, how much you read your Bible and things like that. Yep. But if you treat them in health, 
and you look at it through the lens of, of using them as your daily worship, then they can be used to nurture and nourish your faith like you've never seen before. Yeah. Um, and so the third shift is that is that we want to shift into being an everyday people of worship and not just a one-day people of worship. And so, um, and so yeah, like I said, after the first of the year, we're going to be introducing more of those of those spiritual practices. Uh, the podcast is called Practicing His Presence. So it's it's in the name. Uh, the, the, the mission of that is, is, is that we want to be a people that know how to live in the gift of God's presence daily. And that, that's really what it is, is a gift. And life can be an absolute joy when you realize that you can, you can abide in every situation and every place that you're present. Um, and, and that if I could be so bold to say that, I, I believe that if we refuse these shifts, that we're refusing the new thing that God is doing in our people right now, and we'll end up going backwards. And so unless, unless we, we can kind of figure out that, that this, this falls on the shoulders of, of all people, of our whole community, of our family, as we've been talking about it, then we'll find ourselves moving back into the place of unhealth and moving back into the place of fruitless worship. So yeah. um, th- those are the shifts, I think, just uh, that God's brought, brought us to. And I'm excited to come back, though. It's going to be good to be yeah. here with people. It'll be yes, great. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I remember something that Dave said uh, when we had the announcement for the, the new name, and that a, a major shift that was taking place, and, and what you were saying, I think, is what I was resonating with, is this is no longer a place that I go to. This is a place yeah. that I'm part of. Yeah. Uh, and so to be part of something means you contribute. You're coming with an expectation of giving rather than receiving. Yeah. And that's a, I think for the average person out there, that, that's a mind shift that's it's different. It's, it's, it's hard. And so I think we just need to continue to reinforce that, that everybody in this place has a role to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a, without them, God... God will be effective, but he could be so much more effective if we all had that attitude that you know, we're part of this and we're not just receiving something. So it's good. good. It, it brings me right to that verse too, like draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so it requires us to step out and say, I'm going to draw near to God because that's what's most important. It's not about what it looks like or how it's going to look differently from what I'm used to. And it almost takes that courage of, I'm going to take this one step, but God's like, just check, let me grab you up. Let me just practice my presence so I can grab you up and bring you into the new thing yeah. that you are calling and me to do. Paul, what you said about is like everyone needs to bring their, their type of who mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, bringing God glory mm-hmm. and, and serving that word. Mm-hmm. But finding the pleasure in serving. I think about Kay Millies, who's one of our yeah. oldest yeah. members. And when I sat with her, because she, she would still come for the stitchers. Yeah. Um, and so when I sat with her, she said, yeah, I remember like building when they first built the first place. And she said, everyone did their part. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, so we all brought what we had. And even if we didn't know what to do, someone would show us what yeah, to do. Exactly. And then we would find our spot. And she's like, I'm so proud. Like, I wallpapered the bathroom. But like she remembers that was her part. But she said we all did our part. Yeah, and and yeah. when she said that, my heart just like, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. We all come and do our part. It's the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Paul, I'm so glad you brought that up because when we started talking and praying through the name, we didn't want it to be a name that you could say you go to. Yep. Because church isn't something you go to. No. And so I'm part of the hope collective. That's what the collective is all yeah. about. It's the yeah. body of Christ where each part has, God has every person who calls this church home here for a reason. Yeah. To be part of what he's doing. And so the rhythm that we're inviting you into, because hope is happening. I mean, we just need to be really clear on that. And that our, our deepest desire, the central offering is biblical community. And the rhythm that we want to see every person who's part of the Hope Collective get into is gather to glorify. It's the end of our week. Because we're celebrating the obedience and the goodness and greatness of God. We come not expecting, not, not to get anything, but to give everything. And that's our posture. We group to grow. Like, not just small group, but a place where biblical community can happen because we bring it. And then because that is going, because discipleship is freedom, and we begin to be free, and as we get free, we see the passion and purpose that God has written across our hearts. We chase down those giants, which is all about using our time, talent, and treasure. And so he said to the rich young ruler, 
give it all away and follow me. And so generosity, which is our norm, is to say everything that comes to me must not be for me. And then his kingdom comes. And then his kingdom comes. And man, is that a joy-filled life. Man, I just want to thank everybody for staying with us. I mean, that, that was a lot, but we wanted to get out what's been in us. Um, and just the cultural moment hasn't allowed that to the fullness. And some of this has been timing. But what does it look like when a church becomes the church that gathers to glorify, groups to go, grow and go fight, goes and fights giants? Um, I believe that's the kingdom of God on earth. That's, I believe that's the already but not yet. And yeah. so um, let's just, I just want to take some time as we close out, Alex, if you can just lead us um, just to again say, God, we, we don't move. We don't, one, we didn't get here without him. Yep. And we don't go forward without him. Yep. And so we invite his presence. That's good. Speak to me. You're the only voice I want. Walk with me, show me who you are as I draw near. If you're not in it, then I want it. Let all else fade away. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus, let all else fade away.
we, that is our prayer. Take this whole world. Give us Jesus. And let all else fade, fade away. God, that, that we would lay down our pursuit of anything and everything that cannot bring us the hope we long for. And that we would take up this Jesus, your son, who came and died and rose again so that we could have life and sits at the right hand of the Father, fully glorified, and all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us to go make disciples of all nations. And that means freedom so that we can free. God, I pray that you would free your church from the things that keep it bound because we are free. And whoever the sun sets free is free. And in that freedom, God, I pray that the very sign of the freedom would be that we're going to free others. That this will not be about us, but this will be about you and the people you bring us in contact with. We love you. We're grateful for the church you've given that we get to do this together and that each person has a role to play. Make that clear. And give us, Lord, the wisdom to bring them all in to do this together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 We love you all.